0: That's just wonderful. I, you know, you all have been amazing uh, in this period of transition. And I, I, I don't, it's in, for me to be without words, right? Uh, preacher without words. I am speechless. Just the, the, the generosity, the talent, the creativity within this community of faith. Um, I just can't wait to see what y'all are going to teach me. Um, through this time and through our time together. Um, so uh, be- before we do the sermon, um, just to let you know, the Beatitudes that-, that Todd read earlier and that we sang together have been a core part of my, my faith, my spiritual- uh, spirituality, my theology, a window into Jesus' life and teaching for a very, very long time. Um, And if you'd ever received an email from me, at the bottom of my email after my signature is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That of all of the Beatitudes, that seems to be the one that is the core idea about being a peacemaker, okay? And it had been that way for many, many years, but I did something in 2017 that I would have never, ever, ever, ever thought I would do. But as I began to see in 2017 a resurgence and another rise of authoritarian movements around the world, and in just even in southwest San Bernardino County where I was, the rise again of the Ku Klux Klan and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and white supremacist groups Again, I did something that I never anticipated I would do. I got a tattoo. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. I felt compelled to make this as a witness in the world that was changing, in a world that was becoming more unstable, more tribalized. I did it as a witness, and it's actually been a fairly effective witness because people with curiosity will say, well, what does your tattoo say? What a wonderful open door. Another day I'll explain this one. Friends, will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So two years ago, um, Sally and I, um, we, we planned a, a pretty ambitious vacation. It was a three-week vacation, um, and most of our vacations the last, um, the last several years have been about genealogy tourism. We were going to places where we had identified family, her family, my family, where they had come from. Um, and the first week of our ambitious vacation was to go and follow the footsteps of probably two-thirds of my paternal ancestors who emigrated from France, northern France, mostly around Normandy, a little bit in Brittany, to Quebec as part of the first migration between 1630 and 1660. So we're thinking, well, how are we going to find our way around rural Normandy when we don't really speak French well enough to read a map? least i don't sally maybe but me no so i i you know in some of you'll find out soon enough that i'm kind of a gadget geek okay i'm just i'm i'm like this tech wannabe geek and i thought well we've got to find a way to get gps but i was too cheap to pay for gps at the car rental place so i did a little bit of research and i found a way to download to my phone uh, a sim card that allowed me to access cell and data towers in europe wherever i was so i didn't have to a pay for somebody else's gps deal with a a unit a piece of tech that i was not familiar with while i'm driving you know through rural parts of france and i got to use my own phone we got to listen to our own podcast and books on tape i thought that this was like a perfect world and I, i and i'll tell you i felt a little bit guilty it seemed a little bit extravagant to do this. But you know what? We get there. And I mean, first of all, using it to get out of Paris was a, was a blessing. But then to navigate places through the rural countryside following, following the footsteps of my family, I realized something that I don't think I'd quite grasped, and that is how much I needed a road map. I needed something to follow in order to get in this unfamiliar place, to get from where I was to where I knew I wanted to go, and ultimately to find our way back around to Paris where we would spend more time. We all need a road map don't we we all need gps what what would, did we ever do right before gps thomas guides right yep we need that road map but not just for the the geography of our life how do we get to you know and especially now moving moving in Okay, where's Costco? First of all, okay, there's got to be one closer than what the old Price Club on Marina, right? Which was the go-to in college. Um, where's Lowe's? Where's Home Depot? Where are where are the movie theaters, right? We need a road map. We need a GPS. We need a way to find our way spiritually as well. How do we make Faith decisions? How do we navigate through a world that just doesn't seem to make as much sense as it used to? In the post world, post pandemic, some would say post Christian, others would say post truth, post fact. And as as you think about the the changes within the United Methodist Church that we're undergoing right now that will play themselves out over the next nine months, um, a post-UMC, at least in the way that we understand it. How do we find our way? Where is the path that, that we can be assured is going to get us where we need to go? And we are not the first generation that has ever asked that question, dealt with that uncertainty. Matthew writes this gospel from which Todd read as a way of helping his church in Antioch navigate a world that had fundamentally shifted for them. Matthew is writing to a church in in Antioch which is predominantly Jewish Christians. These were people that had been raised within the covenant, the Sinai covenant, and and the stories of Moses and the prophets, but came to a place where they recognized the unique nature, the prophetic, God-given, messianic identity of Jesus. And for 50 years, Jewish Christians kind of had the best of living in both worlds, They would go to synagogue, they would continue to worship in the tradition that they knew and that made sense for them, but then on Sunday mornings they would gather with a group of other Christians, and they would celebrate the Lord's table, and they would take care of the poor and the widows, and they would hear the stories of Jesus, and they would learn from his teaching. And then this really cataclysmic thing happened in 70, the Romans came in and sacked Jerusalem and presumably in retaliation for the burning of Rome five years earlier, six years earlier. They destroyed the temple, they destroyed the walls, and it was like this, this social, cultural, political, religious bomb went off in Jerusalem. And with the priestly class no longer being the ones that held power and control, the rise of the local rabbi and somewhere, you know, I'm sure um, that uh, Antioch was not the only place that it happened, the local rabbis put, the, put down their foot and said, okay, Jewish Christians, sorry, you've got to make a choice. You can't have it both ways anymore. You're with us or you're not. You know, it, the old dichotomy. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. Well, Matthew's church, they knew that maybe they didn't have the same affinity but they weren't Gentiles, so who were they? Have you ever had that question in the midst of something that's changing? Who am I? A changing life circumstances. Who who am I? Who am I becoming? How do I navigate this world? These are the questions that Matthew's church is asking. So, Matthew writes this this rendering of Jesus' life and teaching. He uses Mark's gospel. He uses this series of, this this anthology of teaching and stories about Jesus. And he tells Jesus' stories, particularly to a group of people who were trying to find their way in a world that had changed. So everything that we've gotten in the first four chapters of Matthew is setting the foundation, giving them like the, the, the magic decoder ring to understand everything that comes next. And after he comes out of his temptation in the wilderness, he goes and the first thing that he does is teach. This extended teaching passage that we know is the Sermon on the Mount that is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. But he begins with the Beatitudes. You know, you think, oh, you're going to lead into it. No, he starts this extended teaching passage with the core of what it means to be a Christ follower. If they're going to live as disciples, this is where it starts. And everything else in the Sermon on the Mount, and then everything that Jesus does in the, the, the years that follow, as he, as he embodies this teaching, starts with the sermon, uh, starts with the Sermon on the Mount, but is core in the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are probably some of the most misunderstood passages in scripture particularly in the gospel and i love the way todd talked about it because you know culturally as christians we talk about you know we're blessed you know and you probably know people and okay now and i'm not making value judgments just so you know but you probably know people when you say hey how are you and they'll say i'm blessed well that's a fair statement if you recognize that your your life is built on um blessings that come through relationships with God and with one another, the recognition that what we have is a gift of grace, then yeah, by all means, that's, that's a fair thing to say. But what Jesus intends is something much, much more. They're beautiful, they're poetic, but there's also a part of them that are inaccessible, at least to modern sensibility. Blessed are the meek. Okay, show of hands. Who wants to really be meek? I mean, really? Because so much of how we understand that concept is rooted in this sense of weakness. Are you familiar? We were talking about this. Our, our son is in town. We were talking about this, and I referenced the character Casper Milk Toast. Do you know Casper Milk Toast? Well, milk, you know, just kind of soppy, you know. Weak. Doormat, that's another one of my favorite things. Who wants to be that? Who wants to be that? There's so much that either seems undesirable to us or way far beyond our reach. So what are we to do? If this is the core of Jesus' teaching... If this is the the, the first step, the magic decoder ring to understand what it means to be a Christ follower, what do we do with these verses that are so enigmatic to us? Well, we do what we're going to do here today is we unpack them a little bit. And we try to get at their original intent. And the first part of it, you know, all of these blessed are those who, okay, So Jesus is not just talking about how we experience things, okay? This is actually a lesson in geography. This is a lesson in geography, because it's not just blessed are you, or Luke even translates it as happy are you, and it's definitely not happy in the way that we understand it. It can equally be translated faithfully as You're standing in the right place when. You're standing in the right place when. So it's not just about what happens here, and it's not just about what happens here. It's where are we physically, spiritually in the world in relationship to the people that are identified within this passage. Blessed are the meek. Well, meekness is not about weakness. Meekness is about having a gentleness and generosity of spirit where we engage with our neighbors, love your neighbor as yourself, where we engage with our neighbors in generous, compassionate, and meaningful ways. Where we see the world not through what's in it for me, but we see it through the eyes of the needs of those around us. And we do this, and eventually when people recognize our needs, they're going to stand by us as well. You're standing in the right place if you have the capacity to be gentle in in your relationships with one another. Not always easy to do, but we'll talk more about that. Hmm. Blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, doesn't that sound lovely? Blessed are the pure in heart. But you see, it's more than just this sense of, oh aren't they nice? Aren't they wonderful? Aren't they lovely? Pure in heart really has something to do, it's much more deeply spiritual. Pure in heart is, is our heart, is our life, are we aligned with God? And what God's purpose, God's revealed purpose is in Christ. Are we loving God? Are we loving neighbor? Pure in heart is you are in the right place if you can see and live in the world in that way. Blessed are those who mourn. You're in the right place. If you have the capacity to mourn with those who mourn, around you and not just mourning the death of a loved one all that though that is certainly important but how many things do we mourn in our lives we mourn the loss of job the loss of health the loss of vitality the loss of relationships we face different issues and different conflicts and we see people around us um, that that cannot manage to work through a conflict and they leave And there's sadness that comes with that. And there's mourning that comes with that. But the capacity to mourn with people puts us in right relationship with them and with God. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's not just about, you know, peacemaking as it's often portrayed in the Anti-Vietnam war protests of the 60s. Okay. Peacemaking is deeply rooted within the Hebrew understanding of shalom. You know, shalom is a word that we translate as peace. And we go anti-war, anti-conflict. But shalom is not that. Shalom is the ability to understand and experience wholeness in our relationships with God and one with one another even when there's conflict, even when there's uncertainty, even when things are a little bit shaky, you're standing in the right place if you have the capacity to work for shalom, especially in days like this. One more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You are in the right place if you have a hunger and thirst to know, understand, seek, learn, listen, to be aligned with God. And not as a, okay, it's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, so we're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness for the next 60 minutes, we're going to get our fill, and then we're going to be on with the day and on with the week. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness is about something that we do every day, that we orient our lives around our recognition of needing to be connected to God. If we're going to walk this path, if we're going to follow this road map to where we are called to be as Christ followers, lives of prayer and study and worship and fellowship and service are ways that we do that. You're standing in the right place when you can do these things. Sounds easy, doesn't it? No, (laughs) absolutely not. One of the things that um, I realized a long time ago when it comes to matters of spirituality is that the good news is, is that we have the rest of our lives to figure this out. And the bad news is we have the rest of our lives to figure this out. We walk this path day after day after day after day and trust in the light and the guidance and the grace of God to go before us and to show us the way to smooth off the rough edges, to help us through our times of uncertainty and conflict, to help us through our times of grief and mourning, to help us through the the sense of what's wrong with us, What's wrong with me? My gosh, why isn't life more like I thought it would be? I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that there is a way to deal with it. And the reality is is that the only way is through it. There's no going back. I think, you know, thinking about the pandemic. You think about all that we lost during the pandemic as churches, as communities. And I hear people pine for the before times, you know, pre-pandemic. And the reality is, is pre pre-pandemic is history, and there, there's no going back. And that that it's okay to grieve that. I mean, a lot of ways I grieve that. But the only way forward is through it and the only path forward through it is what jesus lays out in the beatitudes in the sermon on the mount and then the path that he walks and shows us for the rest of his life it comes within our capacity to live more fully every day into the greatest commandment The Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And like that, in other words, you can't do that unless you love your neighbor as yourself. Which means that we have to be with our neighbor. The capacity to care for our neighbor, to be present with our neighbor. And to reach out to people who have been pushed to the margins for whatever reason to help them find their rightful seat at the table. And we do this not because it's politically correct. We do this because this is what Jesus did. In a couple of weeks, we're going to preach from Matthew 25, the the parable of the sheep and the goats, where he says, "When when did we see you hungry and thirsty or feed you and give you something to drink. And you remember what the response in the parable was? Whenever you do this to the least of these who are members of my family, you do it to me. We do these things. We reach out. We stand with people that are marginalized because this is who we're called to be in Christ. His words, not mine. This is what we do. If we're going to be Christ followers, if we're going to to reveal and, um, to, to, and, and help emerge this reign of God, this beloved community, this kingdom of God. This is what we do. And we learn little bits every day how to do it, why to do it, and where God is when we're doing it. And friends, we do this this together. I I continue to kind of let the the idea of good news, great joy, all people percolate in my my faith uh, and in my understanding of, of my call in this space. But the Beatitudes are the foundation of this good news that we preach great joy comes from knowing that we are standing and doing the things that we are called to do in christ and the reminder that it is for all people isn't it great to have a road map isn't it great to know that there is a path that we can follow that will carry us forward as you contemplate this text, this not so much a challenge as much as it is an invitation to walk this path, your next step, the question that I want you to reflect upon for just a minute is, of all of the things that sit before you, what is your next step going to look like what is your next relationship to build or heal or restore what is your next thing to learn as you walk this path amen